sequence. In my family, bit. it's kind of like chaos. Yeah. So growing up, it was I'm like not mom handed out presents and you just <laughs> tore them open. And one of the, the, the funny things is one of the games we played, me, all four, uh, all three of us boys, even Nicole played, is, why, okay, you opened a present and you had all this wrapping paper. So we would wrap it tight yeah. and basically you throw it at people while they're opening and you try to catch somebody who's not paying attention and just drill them. And so like, not only is there like presents being opened, there's like bombs being thrown. It's a wild circus. Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit do better. So together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to a little better. I am so excited. We had a great time in Acts of the Church, but yeah. I have been waiting a long <laughs> time for my first Christmas. Uh, the promo's been running a while. Bailey and Taylor did an awesome yes. job yep. with that promo. I watched it so many times, <clears throat> but we are here at week one of my first Christmas. Drew, thanks for bringing an awesome message. Yep. Um, but before we talk about the message, I mean, we're just both pumped about Christmas. Oh. So um, listen, um, what's your favorite thing about you know you know Christmas? Um, when do you start Christmas? This was this is the crazy part. <laughs> I mean, when we we start decorating like the the beginning of November, so usually first or second week. But <laughs> you know, everybody laughs at that. But like, we are also very much like when Christmas is over, we take the decor down. Some people uh-huh. leave it up and they're like, oh, I want to enjoy it. We enjoy it on the front end. <laughs> Not the back end. You take it, take it down New Year's Day or earlier? I mean, we take it down pretty quickly. So okay. I, w- I would say right after New Year's, because sometimes we have people coming for New Year's and we want them to see the, the like family. Mm-hmm. But after that, we're like, get this stuff out of here. Yeah, it was always New Year's Day. Growing up, it was always New Year's Day. Everything got disassembled and mm-hmm. put away, including my dad would take those little aluminum icicles on the tree. <laughs> he would recycle them from year to year. He's nice. like pulling them off and laying oh, them yeah. back down there. But uh yeah, growing up, my dad was pretty nuts, you know, about Christmas. Sounds like a great man. He he, he was passionate. For him, Jesus, I mean, the more lights, the more you love Jesus. Huh. I mean, that was just... I'd be good in your dad's book. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, I'm very excited about Christmas, but I'm really excited about the content of these messages, really mm-hmm. excited about the stories yeah. we're getting to see uh, every cool. single week, but let's get right to it. So, Drew, why don't you give us your sermon in 60? Yeah, so we started a series called My First Christmas. And we're trying to get back to that, you know, that first Christmas where we see Jesus for who he truly is. And the way we're doing that is by, um, by studying the names Jesus was given at the first Christmas and it kind of reveals who he is. And so the name we, we, we looked at is actually his name, Jesus, Mm -hmm. and he will save people from their sins. And so Jesus is a common name, but Mm -hmm. our savior's name is not because it changes from Yeshua to Yahweh saves. So Mm -hmm. Jehovah saves. And so Mm -hmm. we studied the name and we looked at it and we, we broke down what it meant for us that he's Mm going to save us from our sins. So we talked about what is sin, why do we all need saving? And ultimately, who are we trusting to do the saving for us? Yeah, incredible. Yeah, I love how the, it, you kind of get both the problem and the solution packed into the name. Yeah, there. that's true. I mean, that's our need. That's our solution. So let's talk. I know that in pre-preach, we kind of slowed down and reflected on how to communicate, how to talk about, in terms of uh, what was left on the table, mm. um, there's a whole lot more we yeah. could have talked about with regard to sin and understanding that. I thought you made some great points again. Um, it's not always that we feel like sinners or feel that we have sinners. There's plenty of us who believe we 
haven't. Yeah. And yet I think you really stressed none of us is exempt. You know, yeah. we're all all part of that. But um, how would you, um, I mean, it, it comprehensively describe sin or just what is it that people miss, you know, when they hear about sin? They might not even know it, right? Yeah. It's just like, that's a word I don't use, you know, to maybe they just have a small, you know, a very small understanding of it. Yeah, I think it's interesting that what you said, I think as believers, the more we grow in Christ, the more aware we are of our sin. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because like, I, I, I've been following Jesus for a long time and I feel like even now at this point, I'm like so conscious of mm-hmm. when I do something that rebels against God, it's like, it's crushing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think our culture today, there's many people in our culture who don't even feel the need yeah. for like for a savior because they don't, they don't know what sin is and they don't recognize it. They don't see it or they just don't feel like they do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I gave some examples in my message of like sin exists, right? Because Adam and Eve ultimately, so no one is without excuse, but we don't have to go back to Genesis to see sin, right? Mm -hmm. Open, open your web browser and go to any news station Mm -hmm. and look at some of the top things, right? From political candidates Mm -hmm. to how they don't tell the truth, how like all these things to wars that are going on to anger, to look at your children, right? No one has to teach a child to lie. Mm -hmm. No one has to teach a child to, we spend all of our time as parents trying to teach our kids to do obey, right? Do what's right. And Mm -hmm. all of these things that we see in our world are pointing back to this, this name, right? Jesus Mm -hmm. saving people from their sin because we're all cursed with a a propensity to do that which doesn't please God. Yeah, I think that's, oh boy, so many things there I want to respond to. But I certainly, I've felt too, just that as I increase in my awareness of my own sinfulness, the own darkness of my heart, I surprise myself, you know, yeah. with the ways I continue to displease God. It's, it's often that point where I wonder, because that... Um, seven years of age is when I first responded to the gospel. And I'm like, was I really saved? Did I really do it then? Because my understanding was so simple and so shallow. But I I keep going back to, it was real. I mean, it was genuine. I mean, I did, but we can genuinely be saved, thank God, without fully understanding our sin. Yeah. But... um, Well, and I think everybody, like, to go to your... I I was seven as well. Mm -hmm. And I think when people meet Jesus, their faith is shallow. It doesn't matter because mm-hmm. like, you need Jesus to be more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the, the shallowness is not a bad thing. It's just the opportunity that God has to mm-hmm. change and reveal and show you. So I think that's everybody's story. Yeah. I think, um, you know, so many of us were unaware of our sin. Sometimes we're aware of it and we're hiding it because mm. you, you mentioned open your web browser. I just think about cancel culture where it's like some tweet gets surfaced, some email surfaced or something private is surfaced, some video is yep. shared or whatever, something that someone had hidden, yep. you know, and then is revealed. And then our culture understands sin because they condemn people they for that almost with no hope of repentance, <laughs> yes. right? <laughs> but uh, so sin, it is, it is so uh, universal. Um, you know, uh, I want to talk about expectations because you brought that up in there too, just in terms of we have, 
you know, the Hebrew scriptures, the whole Old Testament happens, and there's 400 years where we don't get any more scriptures, don't get any more prophets, 400 years before Jesus shows up. And what did people expect of Jesus? Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about, you talked about, like what people expect of Jesus then, what people expect of Jesus now, but let's go back to what did, what did people expect of Jesus then? Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> the Jewish people, you know... Mary and Joseph got the message, he will save people from their sins. Mm-hmm. And we even wonder, did they understand, right? Yeah. Did they understand why, why this baby was coming? The Jewish people knew that there was a Messiah predicted, right? They, mm-hmm. So they're all anxiously awaiting the Messiah. But as we study even Jesus's life and the misconceptions even the disciples had of Jesus, and people were thinking probably, hey, we are being oppressed not by the devil, but the devil is Rome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Jesus has come to save me from Roman oppression. Mm-hmm. Jesus has come to take over now mm-hmm. and break the stronghold of Rome and lead us. Mm-hmm. And I think the Jewish people missed the fact that Jesus came not to rule, but to eventually rule, right? He came to fix the problem to rule later. And so uh, we see that in, in his name. He's going right. to save people from their sins. I think... Uh-huh. That caught everybody off guard at right. some level. Yeah, and it's interesting how the statements can be made so plainly to the disciples or whatever and still not get it, still not understand it. We can hear it today. It was, I have an interesting story that I was thinking about. Um, was uh, years ago, a friend of mine, um, we worked together. As a matter of fact, we've, we've, we've remained friends for years. Last night we had dinner, Karen and I had dinner with you know, him and his wife. Um, he's, he's a wonderful guy. He's Jewish. He's a scientist, you know, has a science background, skeptical, but we have great discussions. He's kind of concerned about the behavior of Christians often, and I am too. <laughs> but it was interesting. Years ago, we used to ride bikes. We'd commute to work, and uh, we're commuting. We, we'd commute partially uh, on the same path, and yep. then we'd split for our houses. But we're at a stoplight, sitting next side by side, and we're behind a car that has a bumper sticker on it that says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And he turns to me and he says, what does that mean? Mm. And it was like, and it was interesting to try to respond to that, to explain to someone, what does that mean? A statement that's so simple. And then you think, really, how do, you know, I explained that. And I just, to me, it was, you know, putting all your trust, uh, Jesus was our only hope and we put all our trust in him. It's not just a, acknowledging a fact, yeah. but it's really investing all your trust in him. But that whole idea of being saved from your sins, it can be, take so long for us, you know, to unpack that too. But let's talk about expectations today, right? Because, um, we have people walking in the door with all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of stories, all kinds of needs, and uh, it can be very confused what people expect of Jesus today. I think it's similar, right? I think the Jewish people wanted Jesus to change their circumstances. Right. And honestly, I think at some level... That's even what Christians want from Jesus, right? Like, I get the future of I, I want it. I definitely want it. Yes. Uh, and at some level, he does. It's just not the way we think, mm-hmm. right? We think Jesus is going to change our circumstances. What Jesus does is change us despite our circumstances, mm-hmm. right? So what that means is your circumstances can stink. And what happens is you see your circumstances differently, right? You still have joy despite those things. And so Jesus came. I, I, I listened to a podcast uh, the other day, um, N.T. Wright, he talks mm-hmm. about Romans, and he actually says, like, the purpose of Jesus coming 
is not to give you a way to heaven. Mm. He says the purpose of Jesus's death and resurrection is to, to create in you a new creation, mm. right? And that comes back to like the Adam and Eve, right? And the story of the Bible of Genesis is perfect, right? We mm-hmm. are that new creation. Right. It's distorted. It's broken by Adam and Eve's sin. And the, Jesus comes back and reconciles it. And, and his whole purpose now and forever is to create in us as a new creation, right? The old is gone. The new has come. And the only way that happens is through the breaking of the curse of sin, through the Jesus's death and resurrection, our belief in that and the process of creating us new till we get to our home in heaven. Would you break down for us, I mean, that's incredible, but can you, what happens at the time you become a Christian and what happens later in that? Because I know that in many ways, I'm still the same person when I come to Christ. I mean, how does that, how does that work? I mean, one, it's miraculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, so when you get saved, the, you know, we talked about this in the Acts of the Church, the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And so now you have God steering the ship ultimately, right? You've Mm -hmm. given him the right to do that by believing in him and transferring rights over to your life to him. Now, that is a process, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's this internal battle still, just because you, you recognize Jesus is the solution to your sin doesn't mean you just always overcome it. There's uh-huh. this constant battle of who's steering the ship, flesh or spirit, right? right? James talks about that. Mm-hmm. And then the process of new creation is over the course of following Jesus, hopefully the majority of my life, as I grow closer in Christ, I'm now allowing the spirit to drive 70% of the time, not not 20, 80, you know, Mm -hmm. like that percentage hopefully changes ultimately till Jesus finishes that work and creates us completely new. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, we could talk a while about how that happens, how God changes our heart. I, that's the sadness that follows me every day is that I am not fully sanctified. It's, it's, it saddens me that I still want ugly things, mm. you know, that I still am selfish, that I still, and, I, and, and so there's this legal declaration when I'm saved because I know Satan can accuse me all he wants, but he's got nothing on me because my sin is taken care of yep. at the cross. I, you know, I think uh, Tim Keller says verdict first, performance later. Yeah, that's right? good. Yeah. So because a lot of times we try to perform, 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 hoping for a good verdict. Yep. But we get that verdict first, but but that but it's still such a long, a long journey, and yeah. God leads us through. We study the life of Paul, the suffering yeah. that God led him through that changed him and made him more and more, you know, like Christ. And I look at Christ and I'm like, I don't want to suffer like that. <laughs> you know, I don't want to take up my cross every day, but I know that's that there really is something better on the other side of it. Mm. That's, and the, what's better is to have a heart that beats more like God's. Well, and the hope is that Jesus made a way for that other side to actually happen. Outside mm-hmm. of Jesus, there is no hope of that. Mm-hmm. There is no hope of that verdict, that righteousness being poured over to you. And I always, I always love to, 
to try to see myself not the way my sinful self sees me, but the way God sees me. Yeah. And the way God sees me as made righteous through Jesus. Right. 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 And so he sees me as son and daughter. And so the, sometimes we can be our own worst enemy where we beat ourselves up over the shame and guilt we feel rather than allowing God to to remind ourselves we are righteous and we can win. We, uh-huh. we, we, we lead out of a place of like we're defeated because our right. guilt and shame weighs in when, no, I am righteous. I've been made righteous. And because mm-hmm. I am righteous, even though I chose that, I can defeat that through the power of Jesus. Okay. My mind's spinning here, so you got to help me. Uh, because I know you were talking before about... Um, Expecting something, but but, but the but, but the truth of it is that we are changed. You were talking about you know how yeah. we were changed. Where, where did that come from? Because what I connected it to was prayer. Mm. Because you know we do, I mean, go into prayer wanting to change God's mind, wanting to change sure. things. But I also think similarly, it's that life of prayer that changes us yeah. you know, and changes our heart too. Oh yeah. Um, but I want to segue. So the, I know we were talking about, you know, like expectations and then I want to kind of follow it up um, with hope. Cause you talked, I mean, there, you made a statement in your sermon. It really, sometimes I get distracted. You'll say something and like, 30 seconds, a minute later, I'll re-engage with the sermon because I'm just thinking on that. So a statement came, it says, hope left a long time ago. Mm. You know, and you were talking about that just for the Jewish people who were waiting and so many had despaired, you know, or given up. But there are people today who say hope left a long time ago. Maybe they've been in church for years and years and it, and they, it, they just haven't seen the change, you know, that they have hoped for or whatever, or, or maybe, you know, <clears throat> I don't. Anyway, I should. Do you have comments on that? I'm just thinking, like, what do you say to people today, you know, who say, Drew, I've tried, but you know, I, it's it's nothing's happened. Yeah, I actually think <clears throat> when you feel that way, it might be. <laughs> might be one of the best places to be mm-hmm. because when you feel like hope is all all unfortunately for us we have to get to that place sometimes to actually see the truth mm-hmm. you know when you feel hopeless mm-hmm. you you turn to something bigger than you yeah because if you're not hopeless you're still banking on your ability to change to give you hope mm-hmm. and i think that's a problem with so many people today when it comes to sin is we we still have hope that we can solve the problem. Are we hoping for the wrong thing? I mean, I, I don't know, I'm just I'm yeah, reflecting I'm sure, with you here. I'm sure we are. Like, yeah. I, I think we're, we're hoping we don't need Jesus. Yeah. Right? Like, at, at its core, we are sinful people, which makes us pr- proud, which makes mm-hmm. us lax, humble. And so we, mm-hmm. like, I think in, in, in the rebellion against God, it is ultimately comes down to, I don't need Jesus. Yeah. Right? And, until you get to a place where you're so broken that you realize I don't have hope outside of Jesus, like I, I, or God at least, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm so helpless and hopeless. Mm-hmm. If you feel that way, right? If you feel that way, the best place to look is up. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what what happens when we're hopeless is, uh, God, I don't even know if you're there. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you're real. 
right. but I need you. Like I, I just think hopelessness, and that's where he wants us to be and and stay forever. I think it's you know we have sometimes this expectation. I just want to, I, I just want, I need Jesus just to fix, get me on my feet. Yeah. You know, fix my problem now, and then I got it from here, right? Just fix my life, you know, and then, but we're always to be in that desperate, dependent, yeah. broken state. Yeah. I think Jonathan Edwards said, you know, the, 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 the normal state of a Christian man is brokenness. Yes. You know, so it's just, <laughs> you know, your goal can't be not to be broken. Well, you know, even with Christians to today, right? Like they want to change, but they don't change. It's mm-hmm. because you're still not at a helpless situation where you realize that change can't be pre- produced without Jesus. Yeah. Right. Cause we fall in the same trap, right? Mm-hmm. Even, even I do like, okay, I'm helpless. So I turn my life over to Jesus. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I do that. And I'm like, this is amazing. Awesome. I have heaven and oh, good. Now I'm gonna go live my life yeah. until I get helpless again. Right. And I'm like, Oh, I want to change this. I can't do it. I can't mm-hmm. do it. Okay. God help me. Mm-hmm. I think God wants us to live. Like you said, in that state of like, Lord, I, need you. Right. Like that song is so beautiful. Lord, I mm-hmm. need you every hour, every mm-hmm. second, every minute. I mm-hmm. need you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hopelessness and helplessness might not always be a bad thing. Yeah. Well, as we go through this series, I'm loving it. Um, looking forward to the rest of it. Um, my first Christmas, I was just thinking about there could be like three circumstances here. Like one is we're talking about my first Christmas where I'm, I just love what God's doing at Northridge. Mm-hmm. I love that every year God is saving yes. people at Northridge. Every yeah. time we have an open baptism, we, there's never crickets. There's <laughs> always people in line you know, to get through that. So for some people, my first Christmas means in the last 12 months they became a Christian yeah. and they get to experience Christmas for the first time. And then there's also people we're talking to who aren't there yet. Yep. You know, They've not had their first Christmas, mm. you know, as a Christian. And they're still on the side and we we love you. We're praying for you. We want to talk to you. We, yeah. you know, we just, we wish Jesus, you know, for yeah. you. Yep. And then there's the last category of those, those of us who had several Christmases yep. as a Christian. And I'm one of those people. Yep. And for this series, you're helping me make this Christmas better than the last Christmas. Mm-hmm. So for all of us, there's no one who's excluded. There's hope for everyone. And even if you've had several Christmases, we pray that this series makes this Christmas better than the last one. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Drew, thanks for kicking off the series. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry about the little monologue at great. the end there. But uh, we hope you come back for week two of My First Christmas. 